Listen up. I won't sugarcoat it. This is the longest cold flu and allergy season we've ever seen, but we're not alone. We've got Instacart. Sure, you may be a coughing snot faucet who just wants mommy, but you're not giving up. Not when cold medicine, fragrant herbal teas, and honey shaped like bears can be delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. Now let's go win the sick playoffs. Daddy, I just want my soup. Oh, sorry, Sport App says it'll be here in, in a few minutes. <laughs> Instacart for the win. I'm very excited to share the quarantine era interviews we've been assembling at the Luminaries. But as remote podcasting is new to me, I'm going to ask you to be patient with sound quality while we find the platform that works best. Until we do, I can guarantee some of our best interviews ever. Be in peace, moi. They're all here. The divas, princes, and living legends you should be obsessed with. Sitting down with me. I'm David Goldberg. These are the Luminaries. Just in time for Passover, I've invited two of my favorite comedic minds, Drew Anderson and Marsha Belsky, to talk about our shared Jewish heritage and how it informs this liminal new moment. I hope you enjoy. It is surreal because Drew and I live like a block from each other, but but it's like we're we're in different worlds. This is what I'm unclear on. Like, it's like, as time goes on, are we allowed to have individual hangs with people who have been quarantined for at least 14 days and aren't showing any symptoms just at our apartment? Like, that we can go to. No, we're not. We're not. Okay. Reason being is, like... There's no, there's no perfect way to know that someone has quarantined for the exact amount of time. Yeah. Because they could have been exposed. Because some people don't show symptoms. So, like, the only way to make sure that no one gets sick is to just quarantine, which means stay with the people that you live with, but don't come into contact with new people. Can I ask, because I think I had it, and it's almost, I'm... I had a mild case. I think I had it. I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. Does that mean that at some point, like, I'm good and I can go have sex or no? <laughs> I mean, listen, babe, I'm also not a medical doctor. I'm just, actually, just, just do it. <laughs> and that's all I'm, uh, you know. I think it's a I, while so we can have stranger sex. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I think it's a long time. It's like it's, that makes me sad. I like was just getting into a group where I was kissing people. Me too. I, I started popping. Yeah. You know what's funny is I was about to go on a long. Wait, break. you started popping? <laughs> I'm proud of you. Yeah. Wait, Drew, uh, Drew, you said you were about to go on uh, a long break from data. But I, I love you, but. Aren't you always saying that you're going on the long way break from dating and then, then come like swimming the channels to find you? Yes, no, that's too, that is that's far too kind. That's not true. But no, this was like an act. This was like an actual moment where I was like, you know what? I've gone. I've had a lot of uh, dating experiences that I have not been fond of. I'm going to take a break. Truly. I'm honestly like good. fucking pissed that there aren't like more people like in my DMs being like, Hey, you know what? While we're all like quarantined, like, I just want to tell you, I'm fucking, I love you. Like, and I like, I'm really annoyed. I'm like, man, I just wish more of that was happening. Like people being like, let's like write letters. Like, but I've been, sending, that. I've been sending some news. What about you, David? Have I you? have sent some photos. Yes. Yeah. No. Yeah. It feels weird i yeah i i guess maybe i needed it too i'm just completely in a stasis which is fine 
I yeah. feel yeah. really I, horny and then really depressed, like in these <laughs> really drastic waves where I'm like too sad to be horny and then I get really horny for like a few hours. But like, <laughs> I, I'm like, I, I oddly, I mean, I definitely experience sadness in my day to day, et cetera, depression, but I've actually not been, I haven't felt very sad. So that's actually what I wanted to talk about because, well, I want to talk about a lot and I'm so excited to have you both, but I've been having a really interesting experience where a few days before it really hit, um, I was with a friend of mine who's a Gentile, corn fed, well-adjusted, not Jewish in any way possible. We're not allowed to call them corn fed. Are we not? It's like goy, like it's like no. <laughs> oh God, there's nothing left. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, and he said to me, he was like, "I'm I'm really scared, and I keep I know I don't have it, but I think, but I keep thinking in my head that I feel like I have it." And I said to him, I was like, "Okay, welcome to being Jewish. That's literally what's in our heads every minute of every day, generally." And yeah. Uh, not to be flipped, but I've kind of been surprised by myself because I've felt just a, a sense of like well, yeah, yeah through this yeah. that yeah. is surprising. I do too. Well, I, I like know. I, I think it's what what I've been finding really interesting is like I think there's this is like a perfect explanation when people when you tell people that if you, that you have generalized anxiety, people are like, mm-hmm. what do you mean? And I think mm-hmm. this is like a perfect example of the fact that I suffer from generalized anxiety. So like every single day I feel anxious about something, but it's the minutia of Mm -hmm. life. And then the big things such as a pandemic where you have to stay inside, those kind of things don't stress me out, which I know is crazy. It's more so the day-to-day bullshit that stresses me out, that truly stresses me out. Me too. And I don't know what that is, but, My anxiety uh, feels more like vindicated, where it's just like I've always yeah. been like, I told you bitches this would happen. You never exactly. know. <laughs> People who like act like they're like, I just don't know how everybody's not living their life. Like they could drop dead at every moment and in like a painful way that you never even imagined, you know? And then like, but people are not living that way, which sounds peaceful. It does. And I'm working hard to get there. I'm in therapy. But it's like something like this happens. I'm oddly calm because my brain is just like, yeah. Yes. This is what we've been saying. Like, exactly. Like, okay, we've been training for this. Now what? You know? I, I have had that feeling. And I am curious, which of the two of you, did you feel like the way you grew up or, like, either in your Jewish, like, cultural education or family education, there was, like, this big sense of, like, something could come and kill you or uproot you. You need to be ready. Are you ready? Like, did, did you grow up? No. Do you think that's, that's not it? Okay. That also I never, happens a lot more with I never did. people. It's when you have survivors and stuff in your family yeah. because, like, yeah. my family would settle people. So, like, I feel like there's probably some sort of ingrained, like, anxiety and trauma because they do show that, like, anxiety is genetic. And, like, obviously, Jews have made it a big part of our culture and personalities. Yeah. But, like... It's, you know, so there's probably some aspect that my dad's a super anxious person, like my mom, not so much. But, like, I think the people I know who have survivors, especially if, like, their grandparents are survivors, like, the second generation is kind of fucked up sometimes, like, you know, in in this type of way. So it's, mm. like, but it's weird almost because, I yeah, I feel like they have, like, 
they've been instilled with this sense of paranoia, but they don't have the same life experience as survivors. So it's just this like fear that it could all be taken away that I don't know if the pandemic is like triggering to that or if it's like in a way like we were saying where they're kind of like, well, actually this matches the paranoia that's been instilled in me. It is vindicating. Yeah. Yeah. I I guess I just felt like I, cause yeah, my grandparents are survivors and I just felt like I went to Jewish school and like we were always watching Holocaust videos, always from a young, like a really young age. And there was just this thing of like, don't ever let your guard down, you know? And wow. that's all. Do you think it would have been healthier life. if we could have been raised like in a culture where like, there are some people I talk to where they're like, I didn't really think about death or that I could die until I was, like, 18. And I'm like, I um, feel like it is in part that you're just from a young age. Jews are just like, you can die. Let's do the mourner Scottish. Like, exactly. <laughs> no, I think that I, I honestly think that there's pros and cons to both. Yeah. Um, I think that, like, I look at those people and they're just like, I mean, I it's not fair of me to say to call them idiots. No, no. <laughs> but, like... <laughs> You know, they're just sort of, like, bouncing through life, and it's like, you know, they're floating through Times Square, not thinking about anything, you know, just like those fucking... Walking into traffic, don't know yeah, what to do. Just, yeah, so it's like, I think they're dumb. I think it's like, to have a healthy dose but it's of that is good. There are some people yeah. where it's like, it's more just like, they don't think about it, I guess, often, which sounds like so nice, because I've been so much therapy where they're just like, because I was having these panic attacks and they're like, well, you can't actually control death by worrying about it and thinking about it and letting it ruin your life. And I'm like, interesting take. Interesting take. <laughs> I, I, I feel that very deeply. Yeah. I feel that very deeply. I feel like that's kind of, um, I guess something that saved me is like, I did a lot of that work before this and I really did like, learn that yes anxiety is basically like fear of death and i really did learn that like when my anxiety comes up i can usually follow it to like do you think this situation is going to kill you and then i can usually like see past it and in some way get there and i felt like having to face that like being confronted with that death drive and really having to face it in life has gotten me to at least in this stage, who knows what's going to come next, but at least in this stage, a sense of like, okay, all right, what's coming? You know what I mean? Like, what's going to happen? All right, what's uh, going to happen? Let's deal with it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, we do have this sense of like being prepared. Like, that's like, but it's when you're raised like, you know, Jewish, Jewish. Like, <laughs> yeah. But, well, I've been thinking a lot about. Did you guys see the Yiddish Fiddler on the Roof? Yes. Oh, I didn't see it. Marcia went and saw it and was, like, talking about it for months and I, I think was going to see it twice. Oh, you saw it twice. Okay. I saw it twice. I did. <laughs> she did see it twice. She did see it I twice. Saw it. I loved it because it's, like, a dead language and it's seeing, like, the original, mm. like, work in the language it would have been at. And also it was, like, these actors. I mean, it was just so cool to, like, have them be, like, you should be like, it's like, oh my god. First of all, Drew, you cannot imagine how hot these men were and that they had to learn to speak Yiddish. Like, honey, yeah, I can't no. imagine that. I can't imagine that. They have I Instagram. Live, I would live for it. I would live for that experience. <laughs> and I did take mushrooms when I saw it. 
Oh my god. Did you see it did you see it more than once, David? I only saw it once, unfortunately. Yeah, but I can't believe that I didn't find my way there somehow, some way. Yeah, it's not because the first time I saw it, my mom was in town and it was off it was right next to Playwrights Horizon mm-hmm. and it was like so my mom wanted to go but we were in the middle of doing this the Fiddler on the Rooftop bar like parodies. So the first time I was watching it, every single thing I was seeing, I was just thinking of jokes and what was relevant to arts, like you know, like so then the second I wanted to go back and see it where I could actually just like watch the show. Yeah. And then I was watching it and I was like because did they ever make you read Shalom Ale- Like, we had to read Shalom Aleyhem jo- uh, stories, like, Whoa. terrible. Like, you know, we had to, yeah, I had to go to a Hebrew school. Same. We never read Shalom Aleyhem. That's pretty cool. We yeah. should read Shalom Aleyhem, the three of us, like, as a book club. Like, I'm so game. I'm so, so, so game. Love um, stories with a lesson, like. Yeah. Well, you know, when I saw it, it really... You know, I've seen that. I was in that show in high school. I've seen it, right? Whatever. But this production really hit me. And what what it left me with was, you know, at the end of Fiddler on the Roof, the Russians say, get the fuck out. Um, you're done here. And there isn't an American ending. The American ending would be the small community fights back and takes a stand and wins. The real, the reality and like the Jewish truth that something horrible happens. There's a program and the Russians say to leave and the Jews say, we are leaving. <laughs> we're, we're out and we're just going to keep going and we're just going to figure it out. And like, yes, it's obviously a sad ending, but it's so, it really blew me away. I was like, oh, that is this gift that we have of like. All right, <laughs> what's next? Let's keep going. Uh, but that's than, why you like, never feel settled. Like, it's always, yeah. always, and, like, waiting think, to move. I think mm-hmm. that it's, like, I, I think that what the way you can describe it is it's, like, you're not too precious about anything. Mm. Like, you're just, true. like, I mean, that's the positive spin <laughs> on yeah. that. But it's, like, you're not. It's, like, Jews are just, they're, they're going to keep, they're just going to keep moving. That's, you know. And maybe that's like kind of a good thing to have when we're in one of these moments of yeah. total yeah. uncertainty in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Marsh. Yeah. I do. I mean, it's funny too because it's like now. I mean, the thing is, is like now I feel like Jews, Jews as a group, we still have that like in our blood, but we're not directly in threat. And so I do feel like there's a tendency for people to like only worry about ourselves like you know what I mean mm-hmm. we're like it's hard sometimes getting the conversation to like cross over where it's like okay yes like let's protect our community make mm-hmm. sure we're safe and now let's look at in this country at this time mm-hmm. who's vulnerable what's like you know like Holocaust museums do a good job of like kind of drawing the parallels of like I remember when we were growing up it was like Sudan like they're always mm-hmm. like doing stuff yeah. for like they're like you know people basically in camps in Sudan and then like but then, yeah, I don't know. It's, sometimes it's hard because it's like you want to talk about, like, who's actually going to be made to pick up and move. And, like, right now in America, it's not us. But, no. you know, so it's like we have all this anxiety. And sometimes I'm like, but are we using it? Not us. Like, I'm not talking about us, like, as, like, three, like, Brooklyn, like, mostly secular Jews. Like, but I don't know. I was just thinking that. But no, but, but it's, 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 I agree with you. Like it, it, it's interesting because 
anytime like the Jewish community and the black community come together, it's like such a no brainer. And it's weird that that isn't like an absolute automatic thing all the time that we would show yeah. up for them. You know, it, it is like, how is that even a question? You know? Yeah. We can pass. Like we like, you know, mm. moved up or not, it's not even passing anymore. Cause it's like, you like become socioeconomically white. And what I'm realizing like, is that that's still a conversation that's not being had in Jewish spaces of just like, we're so good at like knowing when we're the victim, but we don't know when other people are the victim. So then it becomes this weird thing, though, where it's like people are anti-Semitic, though, and act like anti-Semitism isn't a thing. Exactly. But then there's also like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. I've had a lot of time in quarantine to get down to think about many fucking dark things, but like, you know. Yeah. You know. I do. You know. I watched, I rewatched um, Funny Girl with Barbra Streisand. Me too. What? Okay, it's Funny incredible. Girl is my favorite movie. Yeah. It's oh, it's amazing. Incredible. Oh my. It's amazing. Smoking hot, like she is a goddamn Oscar winner in that movie. I That's know. what I realized. I was like, you know, I've always had respect for Barbara, but watching it, I was like, man, this woman. I know. Incredible. The thing with. The thing with Barbara Streisand is she's just, like, she's so likable. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know. I just, she's so delightful. And she's but just, she's huh? not trying to be likable, which I think is I the key. Know. She's like a but Goldie But at the same Hawn. time, trying very hard. She's right, like, but, she's a Goldie Hawn, I feel. She balances it. But she like, grew into this, like, I don't know. I feel like people try to tear her down, like. Well, she's, like, so rich that she's, like, kind of Thunderdog. a supervillain yeah. now. Yeah, um, I know. It's it's very true. That's but true. Their best work is always before they had that. It's, like, before they had that extreme wealth and power. It's, like, then they kind of lose touch after that. Same with RuPaul or Ellen DeGeneres. But, you know, the reason <laughs> I bring up Funny Girl. Cracker. I know RuPaul yeah, Cracker. Honey, so, wild. Anyway, sorry. With Funny Girl, what was interesting when I was rewatching it is I was like, oh, you know, this movie has such a clear point of view because the time that that movie set in, being Jewish was in America an ethnicity. So the whole yeah. plot of Funny Girl is that this girl stands out everywhere she goes like a sore thumb because being a Jew in that moment was not seemly in any way. So, it's such yeah. a sticky one. <laughs> it's, and it's right. And it's so it's weird, um, you know, coming to where we are now. And I'm like, you know, something we've all talked about a hundred times is the marvelous Mrs. Maisel and all the issues that I have with it. But with that, I'm like, these people are, are she's too likable. She, she's too, like, passively likable and it, the, it, it gets into that place of like oh she's just like a cute white girl and yeah. I, it, there is this weird like push and pull between like when the lines got blurrier about like what Jewishness looks like and how anti-Semitism evolved because when you well, look at like, girl the lines are so clear you know? well, the, well the, the issue and the like the unfortunate thing is that like no, I think like the public doesn't want to see an authentic portrayal of a Jewish woman because it's too because it's too unlikable. Mm. So it's like you rarely rarely see it on TV because it's like I I think there's some executive who is yeah probably anti-Semitic and doesn't want 
doesn't think that a, that an audience would want to see that. So it's like then you have shows like, uh, um, Ma- you know, Mrs. Maisel, and she's so likable and lovely and a great actress, but it's like they could have easily gone with an actress who <laughs> is not like that and more authentic. Right. You love Maisel, though. I, but I do like that. I, I do like that show. I think it's delightful and romantic and fun. But I do. I think it's an authentic portrayal of a Jewish family. Absolutely not. One hundred percent. No, there's more sort of like complicated, layered emotions in yeah. the show on that show, where it's like because it's so like Amy Sherman Palladino, you know what I mean, and not in a bad way, but it's like. There's something that's so inherent about Jewish culture that, like, doesn't have that fantastical element. It's, like, hard. But, yeah, it would never exist. It would never exist. Yeah. And it's just, so it's interesting to see. It's, like, but have you guys been watching that? I only watched part of the first episode with that unorthodox show. No. no. How is it? I want to watch it. It's crazy because okay. it's, like, I, I mean, I really, like, kind of only came in halfway through. Like, but it just seems so interesting because it's shot a block down, basically, from where I live, but right. seeing inside of the apartments of, like, Hasidic people and, like, and when you know, the thing is, I see why they seem so, like, alien and, like, crazy to people, but it's, like, for me, it's weird because I see how it was literally just, like, 1850s shadow culture just brought to America, became, like, isolated and in some little pockets kind of radicalized and their whole thing was, like... Yeah we're not going to change, like, the look or, like, the way of life. So, like, if you read stories like, you know, Shlomo Lehem or, like, anything from that time, it's not crazy how they're living. It just seems so, like, out of place in the modern world in the middle of New York, you know? So the show's, like, kind of about that, and it's about a woman. It's, like, it's interesting. It looks really good. Did you, did you guys watch have – you, have you been watching The Plot Against America? No. no. So – that ha- has me thinking a lot because, first of all, the the character who plays the dad on it, you will die. He's the hottest person I've ever seen, and he looks Jewish. Like, it's not like they got, like, Brad Pitt. They got, like, he is Jewy, and he is so hot. It's, like, blind. Okay. Wow. When I'm attracted to a Jewish boy, I just get really sad because I know, like, well, a certain type of Jewish boy because I know they just want, like, a blonde girl. <laughs> like, it's so, like, I know, they just want to, like, teach their moms the lesson. It's so pathetic. Yeah. They're so predictable. But the show really hit me for a lot of reasons, but it ha- it's authentic. It feels, because it's based on a Philip Roth book, but it just, I, when I was watching it, I was like, oh, yeah, this is more familiar. And the, what I realized is I was like, oh, yeah, these characters are not, um, like, affable. And there's a real – I guess I'm, like, trying to take this as a power for myself, but, like, there's something liberating about automatically not being likable and not trying to be likable and just getting to be real that I do see as, like, a Jewish trait, or I'm discovering that, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's foreign to me. It's like I've always so worked too hard, like, to want to be likable. Like, and well, so, like, it's I interesting. That, I think it's funny because, like, I, I don't think Marsha, I don't think, I mean, I'm confident when I say that Marsha, neither Marsha nor myself are religious. But like, I remember, I'm kind of religious. I, How dare no, you? No, but I mean, wait. But what I'm saying is, like, when I met Marsha, I immediately like was like, oh, like we just kind of clicked with each other. Yeah. And I think yeah. Because we were able to kind of like 
<laughs> not like complain to each other, but like yeah. I will say it was probably to complain to each other. It was like, you know, I was just. It's hard. It's hard. hard when like you just learn how to connect with people through complaining and then you're kind of like, wait, I want to be like a more positive person. <laughs> but it's like, that's what I'm saying. It's like, do do I, if we were to authentically show, if we were to authentically show Jew, a Jewish family or Jewish friends, it, yes, it would just be complaining. So. It would be complaining. Because complaining is so campy and fun. It's like, no, I want to see you being held hot, like hostage for two and a half hours with a woman who's over 85. <laughs> and that is Jewish culture. Like, I want, like, they don't have that. It's like, I need to see it. <laughs> yeah. And I also feel like there's a darkness that I really, it's harder. I, I don't mean to pick on my like sweet Gentile friends, but sometimes I'm like, you're just a lamb to the slaughter. Like anytime I go to like, oh yeah, like I was But at, it seems uh, happy, that's party. what I'm saying. It, Maybe I want to be a lamb to the slaughter. Oh, there's so many, like I was at a gay sex party and <laughs> it was clothing check mandatory. So And they uh, write the number of your, your bag. Wait, like fully nude? Fully nude, and they they write with a sharpie on your wrist the number of your bag. So of course, the minute I go in, I was like, well, "Okay, Auschwitz." Okay, it, yeah, pre-corona, but it was so Auschwitzy. Obviously, yeah. we're all. Ew, yeah, like that sounds so like. Ugh. And I was laughing about it, and when I joked about it to a friend who's like a Midwestern. Yeah, they were just like, what? what? Did the Auschwitz joke overwhelm them? That is a problem that happens to me, like, where it's just like, our humor is so dark, and then I'll, like, say something, and people will be like, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> it's people who don't think about death all the time. You're, like, reminding them of something they don't think about, and then you're like, oh, sorry, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about the worst things could go at any time. <laughs> and just but, history, too. Like, to be at, like, a gay sex party, like, that's reminiscent of Auschwitz and Slayer, because also it's, like, you're thinking about, like, how you have, like, a freedom in a way. Like, you know what I mean? Like... Yeah, it's stupid, and it's like the things that the situations people get in, of course, are going to make you think of death. And it's like, yeah, oh, yeah why am I here? It's so stupid. also like honestly, yeah. I think it's. I also think that like when you address the like the dark moment in the moment, it, like it brings some levity. It's like funny. Me too. That's exactly. what other people don't experience. So for us, it relieves. <laughs> like it is literally like Jews. Like we feel like by talking and constantly thinking about death, we like jinx it away. And like, yes, that's exactly I think I very deeply feel that. But I then that for other too. people, it's like talking about it is too real. And it's, and it's like harshing the vibe in a way that they don't understand like why you're doing that. But to us, it's not harshing the vibe. It's like just acknowledging the elephant in our brains, like in the room. And it's yeah. funny because it's like we accept it. I do think it's like it's a very American thing of like I feel like people came to America to try and like escape escape death in our culture and like become so yeah. rich that you die late and like stuff like that. And it's like Jews like come I don't think we live like this anymore, so we're kinda removed from it too. But it's like you come from a culture where death is very involved, where it's like if your only culture is Americanism, money, you know, mm -hmm. it's like things like that then yeah. death is kind of this thing that you're constantly trying to, like, buy out the feelings from. And, like, that's why I envy Christians, though, because it's like Jews don't really give you that pass. They're like, 
there's a heaven and everything's great. Like, and it's like, I didn't really buy it. And I'd be like, Rabbi, I don't buy it. And he'd be like, yeah, I mean, like a lot of people don't buy it. Like that makes sense to be just like, try and be like a good person. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But it's like with Christians, like, I think it would have been nice when I'm like six and figuring out that I'm going to die. Like, and my mom's like a super realist. Like it would have been nice if like somebody was just like, actually you don't really die. And I would have been like, cool. Right. Yeah. No, I think that's, I think that's fair. I'm on you the know, my I have a cousin in Aviv who um, is a writer, and he had this show come out that if it were on in the states, it would probably be like an, a dark HBO comedy, and it was the dark. It was the darkest wow. comedy I've ever watched in my life. It's on like NBC, like Israeli NBC. Yeah, it would be. I love that show. Israeli. Yeah. Was, I love seeing other countries where you're, they're like, you're like, wow, like our standards of decency are just so it's different. It's crazy. It was so bleak, but in the end, because it was able to go to these levels of dark you humor, love I loved it. I thought it was so sweet, and I was so like committed yeah, to the characters. Yeah, called? I'm going to see if I can find it. It's called Michael, like Michael, like as if it's this tacky Michael. Israeli family who names their child Michael. Like it's already that mean. Okay. Um, anyways. It, Why so, is Michael yeah. a tacky Israeli name? Because Michael's an English name. It's not Michael. So mm. any Israeli who's trying, like when Israelis want to seem cosmopolitan, They'll name. They'll give their child a name like Emily. That's obviously not a Hebrew right. name. And then they sound so bourgeois that it's like, oh my God, don't look at them. I feel like if I ask people to call me Marcia. <laughs> Marcia. Oh my God. I'm pretty sure I had a cousin whose name was like Andrea, and then she was like, call me Andrea. Andrea. Yeah, I, I it's funny, Marcia. You told me that story before. Wait. I hope she's not listening. Yeah. Well, I hope not. I actually really respect her <laughs> because I honestly like I tried to change my name to Liz when I was like. <laughs> Wait, you tried to change your name to Liz? Yeah, my middle name is Elizabeth because like they named me. <laughs> Liz. Be- Wait, imagine if Marcia was Liz Belsky, and we were all just like, That's li-. yeah, you you've never met Liz Belsky, Lizzie Belsky, Lizzie Belsky. Lizzie Belsky. Like, That's the word. I'm not talking about any real Liz Belsky out Belsky? there. Just like me Liz as Belsky Lizzie Belsky. Liz Belsky is a comedy seller. Liz Belsky has the same ring. Um, she's one of my favorite comics. She performs all around town. Let's Everybody give it up for her. Lizzie, Lizzie Belsky. You've you heard her on Sirius <laughs> XM. Lizzie Belsky. Coming to the stage, oh, wait, Lizzie Belsky. I didn't mean to FaceTime you, David. Sorry. You'd have a different, you'd have a completely different, um, like vibe and family. Oh my god! I literally, it would be, it would be like it's. I would be such a club comic. I feel like I would be working like Hell's Kitchen. Like, yeah, you'd be on the like, Joe Rogan podcast. I'd be wearing an all black leather outfit and I'd be thin, but like not like you know what I mean. Like, but, and you have tits. And you get your hair. No, I would have like yeah. I have bigger tits than you think. You Wait, what you did you do? You get your. You go to Scarsdale and get your hair uh, straightened. <laughs> We're all the Jaffs oh go. I'm like, you know? I go, once every two years, I have a girl in Scottsdale. <laughs> <laughs> no, Liz Belsky would be like, she would have been like queen bitch in her camp. Like, it would have been like, no, but I yeah. did. I tried. I was like, call me Liz. And then like a couple of my friends were like nice enough to be like, 
Liz, but I like never responded to it. <laughs> Cause like Wait, you that just is, hear your own name. That is so. <laughs> Call me Liz, like out of the blue. Also, like in the middle of like the school or like camp, I forget what it was. Like, but is, and like yeah, a couple people tried to. They were like okay, but then I never turned around when they'd be like Liz. <laughs> Well, the first time Drew and I ever emailed when I was like, wait a minute, your name is Drew Harris Anderson. I was I know. like, you're the fucking that jackpot. Hot name. It's hot and it's not too dewy, but then once Harris you meet the, the package, you get it. Oh, Drew's here, it. I would have never, like, until I met him and he's, like, the most obvious Jew in the world. I also would have bought Drew's, like, Italian, <laughs> but the anxiety level is not the same. It's a different type of anxiety. Yeah, I know. Classic. Similar but different. Yeah. I'm waiting for someone to find it charming. <laughs> okay. I'm waiting, too, for the same thing, but that's what I keep saying. I'm like, I feel like a lot of TV writers romanticize, like, I'm an anxious person and somebody's in love with me. I'm like, oh, it's because all anxious, like a bunch of writers are just anxious people writing their own like romance. Exactly. Like, and then I was uh, like, in real life, I'm just like, and you love all my little quirks, right? And they're like, actually, I'm exhausted. Um, yeah, Marcia, <laughs> do you think like, how is it for you? How how do men you date perceive your Jewishness? The Jewishness thing specifically, like, I don't know. I mean, it's weird because I've never really dated a Jewish guy, like, full out, but I think it's because I just get in my head, like, I've convinced myself all sorts of things, and I'm like, Jewish guys don't want me, like, I'm like, they want some, like, fucking thin blonde, like, you know what I mean, like, but, yeah. but sometimes I'm attracted to them, but it's like, I'm not into anybody that looks like they, like, could be my brother, it's like, I really can't, like, I don't, uh, I can't do that. So but then, when you date non-Jews, what's it, what is it like for them or for you? I mean, sometimes it's, like, we both talk about, like, what our family is there. Like, like it honestly depends if it's, like, a person who comes from any kind of ethnic background versus somebody who's, like, yeah. waspy. And it's, like, I have a lot of fun with, like, waspy-type dudes. Like, <laughs> but it always ends up this, like, communication mess, like, where it's just, like, I just, I don't know what it is. But I don't know. But I do feel like sometimes I'm more drawn to, like, that. I don't know. But it's, like, sometimes I just don't fucking know. But in terms of, like, that versus, like, a Jewish person. But I definitely don't feel any, like, I don't know. But, okay, so normally it's, like, not a big deal, like, me being Jewish or whatever. But then one time I was sleeping with this guy. This was, like, years ago. This was, like, when I was still in Portland. And I got on his laptop, like, to the, the day after we hooked up to, like, see. And I had noticed that a lot of the girls he hooked up with had, like, curly hair. You know what I mean? And then I go on his laptop, and, like, he had these ads pop up when I was trying to Google something. I was, like, hot Jewish girl sucking dick. Like, and I was, like, but I don't think I would fulfill a fetish for a guy like that because I'm not, like, you better Wait. get back in your room. Wait. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not, like, going to go with you enough. Wait, that is so psychotic. <laughs> Hot Jewish girl sucking dick. And I, I don't think it was, like, we were hooking up, so he was Googling porn of girls that looked like, no. Like, it was, like, I think that he had a type because he would always hook up with, like, angry Jew, angry Jew, Angry Jewish girl. That, no, I think it's that a Jewish girl broke his heart. Every fetish AKA. comes from a place of, like, hurt and fear, I think. Yeah. So it's, like, so I think that when people fetishize groups of people, it's 
usually because of either a specific person or like a weird hatred they have in their heart that's turned into like a sexualization. Right. right. Not to get all Dr. Ruth on you. Drew, should we start an OnlyFans of hot Jewish boys fucking dead? Yes. I mean, it's, and I'm it's the only subscriber. <laughs> I, it's crazy. Like, I guess I don't real. I don't real. I didn't realize how how much people fetishize Jewish guys. Mm, oh no. Do they? I mean, I don't know. They do. They I do. mean, I'm not like I this is not me, Brett. This is not me. This is not me bragging, but I get like Sounds DMs like you're kind sometimes. Of I'll get some DMs and people will specifically like mention me being Jewish. They'll be like, "That's what, yeah." yeah. Sometimes it comes out like that. It's a little gross. That's gross. I don't like that. Mm -hmm. It's like it it makes it fetishizes things. I don't know. It makes me feel a little little bit gross. Unless it's something I've already established with someone. I think yeah, I I get them too. I think it's kind of a novelty. I often don't mind it, but yeah, sometimes it's like, do you even know like what that means that I'm Jewish? Like, well, for me, I'm like, I'm never gonna live up to your idea of a Jew. Like, I was raised in Oklahoma. I'm always constantly chameleoning to like any, like you know, it's like my whole life has been like not code switching because it's like code switching is a much more survivalist thing, but it's like you know what I mean, just adapting to like wherever I'm at so it's like when I'm around Oklahoma people like you know I feel like the Jewiness sort of naturally shows itself down and then when I'm talking to you guys I'm like okay like you know like it's like so then I'm like I don't know what they expect me to be but I'm not like idle idling in their ear while we're like having sex like like, are you idling and like yeah I feel like they love it I think they like I, the last person that I had sex with afterwards, he was like, are you Jewish? And it was like, what the fuck was, like, where did that even come out? I don't even know your name, but, yeah. I would love if they loved it, because most of the time, like, that cover up for my neurosis. David if Goldberg, can, are you I Jewish? I can all You think yeah, I'm David Jewish? Goldberg, David Goldberg? Jewish? He didn't know my name. It was a scruff hookup. Oh, oh, got it, got it, got it. But I did have someone today via Instagram ask if I was Jewish. I was like, yes, Goldberg Hahn. Maybe. <laughs> Can you believe my parents didn't give me a middle name? Can you believe that? You didn't get a middle name? No. And my mom wanted to give me, like, a, a Hebrew name that I my, – thank God my brothers were like, no, that's tacky. So I guess I, I'm lucky, but – No, it's good. My mom what? doesn't have a middle name, and I can't imagine her with one. It was like – I don't think it matters. I just David Goldberg. It's so whatever. I need to own it and just like. You always address me as a David Adam Goldberg. Okay, I'll take it. Yeah. Dad. What do you two think is going to happen with the Hasidic community during this thing during Corona? I mean, I think Uh, there's social distancing. Like, it's like I live right by like the Hasidic, like where the like the little square in the middle of Brooklyn kind of starts, like. And I see them at the waterfront and stuff, but it's, like, I feel like 99 – it's, like, anything else, where it's, like, I feel like 95% of them, like, listen to science and believe yeah. in science. And then just, okay. like, in America in general, like, 5% are these, like, anti-vaxxers who, like – you know what I mean? But it's, like, yeah. I feel like the Hasidic community got a lot of the brunt. But it is it is worrisome just because, like, the, any community that's insulated that's potentially been exposed – like is in danger and it's like you know if a lot of elderly in that community like 
it's yeah. just a lot. And it's like, it's all they're showing, like socioeconomic stuff, like a lot of Hasidic people. It's kind of split. Like some of them have money, some of them don't. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's weird because I, I understand that they can probably close ranks better than anyone and like lost down better than anyone because they do it once a week. But at the same time, they're so piled on to each other that it's like, I really just don't know how, how it's what's going to happen, but yeah, I suppose they'll handle themselves like they always do. That's the thing, too. Like, they have their own roles and ambulances and mostly hospitals, yeah. but I wonder if if because it's, like, a crisis. I mean, I hope I hope in some ways that them being somewhat insulated protects them, but there are a lot of realtors, so there's, like, a lot of, like, people going yeah. out of the community and coming back in. Apparently, a lot of people went upstate to like the Catskills and stuff, which makes sense. Oh yeah. But then yeah, there's old, right there, old like, the whole camp. I, I wish. I wish you were in the Catskills. Oh God, it'd be like Dirty Dancing. Fresh air. I would love to be it's in the Catskills. It's not like right Dirty now. Dancing. They have okay. shul. Dirty Dancing didn't show the five-hour shul. <laughs> I mean, I would love to be there. The real thing is something that's I've really. As a Jewish person, like one of the things that I'm most ashamed of within the community is the behavior of realtors, especially in New York. Like I think they give us uh, the worst possible name by the way that they treat um, like local communities and the way that they, especially community of communities of color, like it's so deeply humiliating to see them as like the representatives of our community to a lot of people because they are they often act like without any morality or conscience, you know? I feel, I know, I constantly feel this like double thing of like, where I feel that same, I'm constantly trying to walk the line between the both distancing and not distancing from the Hasidic community, like as a Jew, because it's like, I think sometimes we can tend to be like, that's them. And then they get the brunt of this like anti-Semitism because they're the visible Jews. They're like, they seem so like, foreign to people. So I think I got caught up for a while in being like, in some ways, xenophobic towards Hasidics and feeling like I could because I was Jewish and like, it was okay. And stuff like that. And then seeing like how people reacted to the measles thing and like very much like always want to get into this vermin language when it's like maybe a small group within the Hasidic community that kind Mm, of ruins the reputation for all of them. But then at the same time, like you said, it's like, where they really have faults is how they treat the people of color that they're sharing neighborhoods with, how they've gentrified New York. But then it's like, again, how much do you hold the whole community responsible for certain people in certain businesses? Like, cause then are all like white New Yorkers or secular Jews responsible for how like Richard Lefrac acts? Like, you know right. what I mean? Like, it's like slumlords that aren't Jewish. Like, so I feel like I'm constantly like I because I completely like, agree with what you said, but then I feel like I'm constantly trying to walk that line. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that's really tough. I I am too. I I it's hard to engage with those those aspects that are like complicated, but also not complicated, and like just really shitty and you know make you a little queasy. But yeah, I guess we have to. Um, I guess I want to ask you to, like, this is such a strange thing to ask, but I think in this moment we're all, uh, it, it seems like a lot of us are in a kind of a contemplative state, and I know that the future has never been more uncertain, but I'm just curious, like, what you want 
when this is over, like for the world, for yourself, like what you want out of life when when it can start again? Um, that's a great question. Mm. Um, I don't know. I think this is a real challenge to people's empathy. I think that like, I don't know. It's like, I think so much about myself and stupid comedy bullshit and just social media and all this shit. And it's like, I think it really takes something like this to kind of, I don't know, knock you back down to earth a little bit. And like, Mm -hmm. I don't know, think about other people and how your actions affect others and how, I don't know, just how to care for others. And I don't know. I I don't know if that makes any sense, but I, yeah, yeah, I've felt like I have, I don't know. I've just sort of felt like my head was up my ass and I, you know, I feel Lost like I want out. And bustle. Yeah, you just you get caught up when you're doing anything in the arts in New York. It's like you just get caught up in so, so much bullshit. It's like so to, to take a moment and be like, oh, just to, to think about others, to think about how you can help people. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's I mean totally. that's been powerful to me. I hope that I'll take that with me. I just you know it can be tricky to remind yourself of that. So I think it's like it's very humbling in that way, and it's a scary time. That's yeah, lovely. humbling. My shook. Yeah, I mean, I feel like so many different things all at once where it's, like, it's scary, like, looking at how many people are already hurt by this, who's going to be hurt, like, what it actually means as we're writing it out. But it's, like, this survivalist thing where it's, like, really a test of trying to control just what you can control and, like, contribute what you can contribute and stay safe. But it is wild, like, living through something you rarely know you're living through like an unprecedented or like nearly Mm -hmm. unprecedented historical moment while it's happening but it's just we've never seen something like this and I feel like I started hearing about it in January but you're kind of thinking like that can't happen like it can't happen here where like somehow life just stops so what are they going to do and then you realize that what you do is like you just make life stop so that people yeah. Stay safe, but it's weird having like an invisible like, and it's truly yeah. cruel that one of the symptoms is shortness of breath because I have like such bad yeah. anxiety and so many of my panic attacks. Oh yeah. Oh Crazy. I had a panic attack last week. I started to make um, weed butter and I've been making a lot. Drew made weed butter that was ten times the concentrate that it's true. And I ate one the first night I had a full panic attack. I'd never I've never had a panic attack before. Mm. I stood up and I was my heart was pounding and I and I like was like So uh, scary. I was like, I fully need to go to the hospital. Like I I've never had one. I don't know the That's how the first one feels. My my roommates were there and took care of me and I was like, Thank you. It's oh, so Bobby. lucky if you have people around. Yeah, I had yeah. Irene around, like, and I'm I was so like, if I hadn't. It's so scary, but it's like then now, yeah, it's like, it's crazy because, like, now, even though I've had, like, so many, it's still every time you're like, nope, this is it for real. I'm actually having a heart attack. Or I actually, like, right. can't breathe. So for one yeah. of the symptoms to be like, you know, so that's that's tough because it's like and if I did actually get it and then got shortness of breath like that's so like triggering for like panic attacks and stuff but so I'm just trying to like control what I can control and be like I can sit here and worry about it all day but exactly all we can try and do is like stay safe and I'm trying to stay off of like Twitter and stuff because like there's so much bad news and like you know trying to like 
really it's hard because people like don't worry about being productive and I do feel like I've ha- I've put too much pressure on myself but mm-hmm. I have gotten stuff done because like you were saying yeah. you know, like it's like I feel like I've needed a break from performing and oh just God. the constant hustle and bustle of like sometimes like barely having time to fucking eat like being exhausted on the subway it's like but I like I like that in a way but it's like you do get tired and anytime you take a week away from the city it just feels like years and like so it's Mm -hmm. nice to not have that and nice to just be forced you know in terms of silver lining not in terms of like I'm glad this is happening but yeah no you you have to shift you have to shift your focus and I also think you have to like I get depressed so easily and I get anxious so easily that I have to on any day like really force myself to do the things I know will make me the best version of myself Mm-hmm. But yeah. like right now, you really have to like you very very closely have to like watch what helps you and like what things work for you. Yeah, and help and you it's along. hardest so, like, to take days off when it's like this because every day feels yeah. like a day off. But it's like it's, if you have a day where you can't get out of bed, just, yeah. And it's nice to like if you have social anxiety, it's like I spend so much energy, even though I've worked to like you know I'm working to change this and stuff. But it's like. I spend so much time overthinking every little thing I said on stage yeah. to people. Like when mm-hmm. I see, I'm like, does this person like me? And it's like yeah. having a break from that as well. I mean, of course I've still found ways to be jealous online, but like, oh, I, you know, having like a break from going out because you feel like you need to, like, because yeah. it becomes hard to tell. I think it became hard to tell at a certain point, whether I'm going out because I want to or because I feel like I need to. So I feel like people, yeah are going to come out of this like it's really tough for a lot of people like and I just hope that everyone comes out okay financially and like I also hope people come out okay emotionally and having checked into like what we want I just want to leave more checked into like what I want from my life and like what I'm doing to get it yeah I I felt very productive surprisingly me too but um you know I think it's like when you're dealing with something like this, it's like, and you're you're working on like writing or something creative. It's like you're like, who cares? <laughs> you know, that like, is hard, but then that's that. why it's nice because then you're doing it for you again. Because yeah, that's yeah. what I feel like getting lost in the hustle and bustle is is comparing myself to other people, feeling like I should be moving faster. And now I'm like getting back to this feeling of when I was in college. Where I'm like, I'm gonna write a script just to Cause I like write that. it. Yeah. I know. Yeah, me too. I, I feel that too. Yeah. So well, that's nice. Yeah. It's it, nice. I it, feel like we've been prepared to bunker down our whole lives. Like I was always an indoor. Yeah. Kid. Like yeah. I like inside days, but it me does too. get to be a little much. Yeah. Yeah. It gets to be a lot. Um, been doing experimenting a lot with close friends on Instagram. Thank God. <laughs> Because there's a whole community that's really thankful for that. I get so mad when Drew takes down his hot photos. Like you and Sarah, uh, I drive me crazy. I know. I like my liking it. I have thirty minutes to enjoy it. I know. I'm like, I have to stop doing that. I just, I'm like, I don't know. We, I guess we all get self-conscious, or I just like don't. I I don't allow myself to go there really. I get it. It's like you don't want to be a little basic B, but then it's like. But sometimes, I know. I know. I know. I'm so desperate. I'm about to start posting every hot photo I have. I mean, I'm like, I don't care. I know. Just Marsha does a um, you you should do like a what is it um, 
uh, like when you do a lot of different pictures. What is it? Oh, a collage? Yeah. yeah, you should. No, no, it's a. Uh, oh God. A burst. No, a um when you do on Instagram and you like have to scroll, it's a carousel. Yes. Um, oh, Martha, you should just do a carousel. A carousel of like hot. I have to be like, we're all feeling really unattractive right now. And so for you guys, I'm going to post all of the photos where I look hot. Honey, wouldn't be the first. So. I know. That is what's funny is like, see, like, oh my God, did you see Vanessa Hutchins? Like, I feel bad for her in that Instagram live video because it's probably shit that a lot of people were like saying, but nobody had talked to her to tell her that she didn't change. Oh, honey. But then. I do not feel bad for her. It was brutal. I mean, she was dumb as hell. But then it's like that she posted this photo of her like on a swing being like, my heart goes out to everyone affected by me. And I was dying. Like she hired her publicist. Yeah, her publicist was like, how can we spin this? Working remotely. Like, oh, how can we make her look like a real just innocent sweetie? And they were like, let's put her on a swing. Let's put her on a swing. (laughs) We're gonna need a swing. Get her in a swing, get her in a little oh uh, sweater, put her in the swing. I love it. Get her in a swing. It's, like, it's been a great time to reconnect through the 20,000 photos I have saved on my phone where I'm just, like, actually being like, okay, I need to delete yeah. some of these and cherish them. Yeah, yeah. Even split. Yeah. Yeah, I guess <clears throat> it, was, it was weird because I had – I got a – like I got sick pretty early and I was in bed with a fever for a few days. That's scary. But I was really lucky and really thankful like to have gone on the journey I've gone on because I knew I was like, you're going to be fine. And if you're not, it's still going to be fine. And there is nothing to be gained from like preemptively dreading the worst and you're just going to need to be positive and just deal with this. Yeah. And I, I logged right off now. everything. I was like, I don't really need to be involved in other people's, like, panic right now. Like, I, David, I'm just going to. David, you scared me, though. Because you texted me out of nowhere. Like, you were like, I love you, Marsh. And oh, then God. you didn't. And then your phone was off when I tried to call you. And then I tried <laughs> to text you. You didn't text me back. And I'm like, did David fuck you? What the fuck? Like, I'm like, was this like, I was this really <laughs> That is but so cryptic. But it's true that you get to like that point where it's like, no, no, I get it. we're prepared for that. I'm always panicked when everything's fine because that's my familiar, that's my comfort. Exactly. And I'm trying and, to and understand that because I want joy. Yeah. I want fucking joy, and I'm gonna fucking get it. But me too. I I, I really really value it. Yeah. Me too. I agree. And it starts to come in like as you me work too. on it and stuff, which has been nice. Like. So I'm feeling a weird balance right now. It's like sometimes I, know, I, am, I can't control I, this. I am too. I and am like too. whatever happens when this is over, you know, obviously there's a lot of reconciling to do, but like I am going to celebrate. Like I, honey, I am excited. Honey, we are, going to, we are going to dance on my roof to do a Lupo's new album. <laughs> but this is what's going to happen. Everybody's going to like run out <laughs> and they're going to be like, all clear, and then like two weeks later, they're gonna be like, "Just." That's, that's I know. The that I is the true Jew. That is right there. That is the Jew. So don't just be careful. Don't trust it. Don't believe what they tell I'm still you. I'm sanitizing. I'm wearing a mask to the club. <laughs> What's also funny? What's also funny is that like I'm creating this fantasy that I want to like go out and dance, when in actuality we all know. 
sometimes. I know. I'm no, not but going now anywhere. I, I, don't do any... I like didn't want to go out. Now I'm like I should have appreciated it more. <laughs> but, you, but you both know, like I, I famously never go out. Never do anything. No, Drew needs no matter like how celebratory the occasion is, Drew must I'm home by ten PM. One time I remember I looked over and it was 1.30 a.m. and you were like still there and didn't even seem like you were leaving and I was like, are you okay? Well, are you trying to fuck someone? There was a It was the night involving, it was Melissa Stokowski's birthday. I was like, oh, that's what it was. I was like, we were all at 3 a.m. Yeah, we all took those jello shots. Those were really good. I barely took one because I don't do hard drugs anymore because I was too much I of a crazy to, girl. I, I, I fully tried to hang a disco ball and almost killed myself. Oh, yeah. my. I, I that was the was... only sane person while that was happening. I was literally going, please. You I was and Sarah, that was the Jewish moment where you and Sarah were like, what is he doing up there? Get him down. You're going to die up there. It was like, <laughs> do not get a wash. They were right. Because I was oh, there. We were. We were. We don't belong up there. Honey, oh, what are we doing? And also, God forbid you put it up and then it fucking falls and kills someone. It kills someone. There's a legal case. The whole thing. <laughs> it's already in like we, an illegal warehouse in Bushwick like that like has fucking murderers prowling outside by the fucking warehouse. It was like, but, like people. I would love to go to, to something like that right now. Like that was so fun. It's going to be, yeah, and and we will, and it's going to be amazing. Um, and you know who's going to be planning the event is Melissa Stokowski. Of course. <laughs> Thank God, Downtown Diva. We need one. <laughs> um, so, uh, obviously, this has been the best episode I've ever done. Uh, so where fun. Do people follow both of you? Joseph? Go ahead, babe. Say it. Okay, let me see. Um, yeah. Add Marsha at Marsha Belsky, M-A-R-C-I-A-B-E-L-S-K-Y, or on Liz Instagram, Marsha Scott. Yeah, actually, I'm changing my handle <laughs> to Lizzie Belsky. Lizzie Belsky. L-I-Z-Z-I-E. Okay, I okay. I thought that would work. And mine is at I'm Drew Anderson. Mm. Angels. Angels, um, love you. I love you, too. Um, I'm this excited for... Artist. Yeah, this felt really good. I love you both, and uh, you you know, uh, we will be in constant touch. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed this episode of The Luminaries, let me know. Give me a five-star rating on iTunes. Write a glowing encomium. Share it on your Instagram stories. Email it to your Aunt Joan. And help make this series bigger and better with every episode. Thank you for listening, and let's grow together. See you next Tuesday. Bye-bye.